welcome to Loud and Clear, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of women in music. I'm your host, Olivia Adams, and I'm excited to talk to our guest today, and I know that you are going to love her. Today, I'm speaking with Maestro Cassette Justo Valdez. Cassette was born and raised in Cuba. A daughter of amateur musicians, she loved music all her life, and she began learning piano and music theory from the age of eight. At 18, she saw a symphony orchestra for the first time and immediately knew she wanted to be a conductor. She took up conducting in 2003 at the National Institute of the Arts in Cuba in Havana. And after graduating in 2009 with a bachelor's degree in orchestral conducting with maestro Jorge Lopez Marin, she was appointed music and artistic director of the Orchestra Sinfonica de Orient in Santiago, Cuba, Cuba's second most important orchestra. During her first three years there, Cassette organized and conducted numerous concerts of a broad repertoire of early music, classical jazz, pop, and traditional Cuban music, which allowed her to start consolidating her foundation as a conductor. In 2012, Cassette was admitted to study with her master's degree with Maestro Claus Art in Germany. During her time in Europe, she had the opportunity to conduct many orchestral, choral, and chamber ensembles while remaining music and artistic director of the OSO in Cuba and returning often to conduct it. Cassette held from January 2019 to March 2022 the position of assistant conductor and the community ambassador of the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra. During her three years in this position, she has been able to conduct all types of styles of music with the ESO, and her connection to the musicians of this orchestra is really special. As a result of this wonderful relationship with the ESO, Cassette was appointed in March 2022 the resident conductor of this marvelous orchestra. Welcome, Cassette. It's so good to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you so, so much for having me. And yes, I'm doing great. Wonderful. Because I like to start all of my interviews by asking what led you down the path of becoming a musician? It's such a unique and varied path for each musician. And so I kind of like to get to know the background story. Yes, well, um, long story short, <laughs> my parents um, <clears throat> are amateur musicians. They they didn't study music professionally, but they are good musicians. My father is a guitarist and my mother is a singer. And in Cuba, I'm, I'm Cuban, right? So there is a program of music education that is for free, but it is very hard to get a spot because it is for free and there is no many conditions there for offering it for everybody. They really had to yeah, find ways to train me a little bit uh, so that I could be able to, to pass the exam and get a spot there. They basically just wished a better ed- musical education for me. So I was very lucky that they cared for that. And then um, we will talk later about how did I decide to become a conductor. That's that's totally another story. But yes, I, w- I was very lucky to be able to receive this uh, musical education from an early age. So you are a wonderful, renowned orchestral conductor. Can you let us know? Well, let us know a bit of that story. How did that become the path for you as a musician? Was it always a dream or was it something that that sort of evolved with you as a musician? Yes, well, I started studying violin because they didn't have a spot for piano. So, but I really wanted to study piano because I didn't know how wonderful the violin was. Piano was the instrument that I knew. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now I regret that I changed to piano because piano is great, but violin is such a beautiful instrument, right? So I changed to piano and um, 
because the divorce of my parents and so i i i really had a tr travel uh focusing in during some years uh like the fourth year in uh, into boarding school so there was one occasion where i didn't pass one final piano exam and then i was very good at all the theory uh, uh classes so they proposed to me that i i should maybe just continue studying theory of music with the piano as a main instrument but not to try to become a, a concertist pianist to which i agreed but the problem was i developed a severe stutter i couldn't speak so each word was really a struggle so that became a problem really because any per presentation i would uh, make anything for me speaking was was really a problem so anyways, I am playing piano in the class of one very good violin professor for his students. And we are on a break one day. I was 18 years old by then. And I remember talking to my friends, my colleagues, and the professor was there and me mentioning, oh, I don't want to, you know, be forever struggling with this speaking situation. Uh, if I become a musicologist or uh, a music teacher or professor, and then he just jumped in and said, you should become a conductor. Now, the funny part is in our city, we didn't have an orchestra. Oh, We had never, I had never seen an orchestra life. We were all really poor and we couldn't travel to other cities just to see an orchestra. And the nearest orchestra was like five hours away and we didn't have money. So we didn't even think on traveling to other places where to stay and things like that. So anyways, for me to mention that was like to tell me you can become an astronaut, you know, like, like something that is not meant for you. I had seen videos of conductors and I saw them always being this, this men from Europe, you know, like I never imagined that to be me, honestly. So anyways, I said, really? How do you think I can do that? He said, I don't know. I just see that you have, you know, the, 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 the the character, the leadership, the musicality, everything. I think, I think you would make a good conductor. I said, well, that's, I have no idea. Um, then he helped me uh, talking to the director of the school and we find out with Lavana how to do for me to prepare. And that's another story that is maybe too long, but I, I, it was a whole adventure for me to go to Lavana and prepare for the exam, do the exam, all of this without a mentor, all of this without one person who would, you know, like take care of my preparation. I saw different people only once, like three, four conductors saw me once before my exam. And that was it. Uh, I had, I had to create my own idea or, on how to prepare uh, basically for the exam. Anyways, that's how it happened. Then later on in my city, they founded a symphony orchestra. So yes, it, it, it became something that I wasn't dreaming with because I didn't imagine even that that could be my life. And once I decided to become a conductor and I started studying conducting, even then I would look around me and, and think, what can I do with this? Because there are not many orchestras in Cuba and, and we don't tour, our orchestras don't tour, conductors there don't go often out of Cuba to have like an international career. So it would be basically just within Cuba and financially wasn't looking well at all. So I was always wondering what, why would I do this? Now, when I started studying conducting, I fell in love 
with with all of this first before yeah. starting studying actually once he told me that I made the sacrifice and I went to this next city to see an orchestra mm-hmm. and I fell in love so yeah. that's how it starts <laughs> That is such an incredible story to be able to hear. Because like I said before, every every person's path is so unique. And that was something that was just self-driven inside of you. So can you let us in on the preparation of a score? When you agree to conduct a concert, what's the first thing you do to prepare for a performance? Because unlike all the other musicians, the conductor relies on their body to make the music, but there's no sound. Exactly. So, yeah, I think uh, programming, as you say, once you prepare, you decide which pieces to 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 perform for a concert, where there is a process there. Sometimes we are part of the process. Sometimes we are not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we are invited with a program that is already planned. For several reasons, either we're jumping in or the orchestra really has a, a, a strong uh, wish on this concert and they are proposing basically all the pieces and they, they give you the, the freedom sometimes to, to counter-propose, counter of course. But sometimes you don't get really to choose the pieces you're conducting and then it's it's interesting because... Uh, sometimes you find pieces you you have to fall in love with and it always happens always always i've discussed this with other conductors every time we are given a piece and sometimes at the beginning we're like oh i don't love this piece but the experience of connecting with it Mm. makes you fall in love with it even if it's not the best piece you find things to to make it to make it spark and so Mm. now when you get to choose well, it's beautiful because you, you get to curate the concert yourself. You get to, to say something through the pieces that you choose. That's the first step, I would say. Then, of course, you, if you have a connection already with that program. You are already researching about the context of the pieces. Why? Why is this piece relevant? Why does it speak to me? And musically or historically or, or emotionally, so there is that, there is that context that we connect with, uh, I believe, first. And then uh, we have to dive in into, you know, sitting on the piano with the piece. First, sometimes we listen to it. If we don't know it, of course we listen to it. Some people will say they don't. I don't believe that. <laughs> we all listen to it. Now, we don't continue listening to it mm-hmm. while we're studying it. If we don't know it, we get an idea and then we should stop, and that's what I like to do. Stop listening to it so that I can connect myself with the printed uh, music score, with that piece of art that is this amount of information that you have to bring to life, and it's so, you know, it, it goes away. It, it happens. It's not there. It doesn't stay there. It takes time that you have to spend with the score, with the music, you analyze it harmonically, structurally, uh, all the, rhythmically, all, all, all the little challenges that will happen during the rehearsal. What is interesting? What is what you want to do different than what you think or have seen people do? So there is a lot of a long time with the score, with the music. Then we translate that into our bodies. And and there are many ways to prepare for that. Some people will conduct in front of a mirror. 
um, I, I honestly don't do that uh, anymore. I, I do check on some parts of the piece that are challenging, but I let the music speak to me so that there is no a choreography that I have prepared mm-hmm. for uh, conducting that piece. Yeah, I like that. And I, I love what you said earlier on, even if it's not your favorite piece, you have to find a way to connect with it, to fall in love with it. And I think that's such important advice for all musicians because, you know, I'm, I'm a piano teacher and sometimes it's like, you know what, you've, you've got to pick your sonata, whether or not you like playing sonatas or not. <laughs> yes, it is true. And, you know, sometimes it's not all about us. Yes. Yeah. The audience loves the piece or the orchestra loves the piece oh. or somebody who programmed this or, or, or this concert is dedicated to something or somebody, the piece speaks to them. So we were messengers. It is not about us and we are to the service of our community. And that is why it's so important for us to get our ego out of the equation and be open to embrace things that we didn't expect to be uh, in con- in contact with and then many times magic happens and we just really fall in love with that music right that is such great advice and that was so beautifully put so if we have up and coming conductors in our audience i don't know maybe we do can you let them know what does it look like for a conductor to sort of set out on that path and what's your biggest piece of advice for those who want to do what you do, who feel inspired by the work of conductors. Yes, I have many conductors on in the audience, tiny, tiny conductors. It's so beautiful during the summer now. We, we had kids with a stick conducting along us and it was incredible. There was one girl who would be conducting really on time and rhythm and, and, and nuances of, you know, articulations and character. And I was so impressed. So I saw her and her parents at the end. And they said that it was her first concert ever. And I couldn't believe it. Oh my I couldn't believe it that on her first concert ever, she was a conductor. Oh. Right? So many other things like that happened. We had our Rusty Musicians Camp during the summer. And we we have the, the granddaughter of one of our staff members. And she wanted to come and visit. Well, we got to, I got so excited on about working with her. She was so smart that we got her to conduct the orchestra in the dress rehearsal. And she jumped out of the podium once she conducted what we had practiced. Yeah. Her, she jumped and ran and jumped into my arms. Oh. And she was so happy. She said that at the beginning she was nervous, but then she was just focusing on the dynamics. It was like she's 10 years old, you know. Oh I think no, she's see, she's eight. So, anyways, the point is that yes, I have seen many, many young uh musicians uh who are already even at the age of 10 studying an instrument or so approach me after concerts and and we talk um a lot so my main advice to them always is you know first keep coming to concerts see many conductors see look at many many ways to conduct uh listen to music don't be afraid of the music because it can be really overwhelming I still freak out every time I'm in an <laughs> orchestra because it's so major. You know, these musicians, they're so good at it. They have played probably each piece dozens of times. And, and then you come sometimes the first time conducting this p- 
peace and they know it, you know. So you have to convince them on a new way maybe of doing it, etc. So it is not easy to be in front of an orchestra, not only musically, but psychologically and emotionally. So I advise them always what I wish I knew earlier. It was a whole journey for me and is don't be afraid. They are there for you. They are, they are letting you conduct them. Be the best you are. Prepare well and be genuine. Be really what your body is telling you to do. Don't imitate another conductor. Don't imitate anybody. Don't, don't fake any expression. Don't fake any, don't fake any movement. One of the things that I think allows me and helps me connecting with orchestras which I find in a very in a human level is so important for me to connect with the musicians. Mm -hmm. Even I got the feedback from my conducting professor in Germany that that I want to be friends with all the musicians and I, <laughs> I want to connect with them all the time and I have to be more mysterious and less accessible. And he was the best professor I could have, to be honest. Uh, but in, on this point, I never agreed with him. Uh, he unfortunately passed away right after I graduated. So I, I really am so sad that I didn't have him right after that. Mm -hmm. But during the time I was with him, I learned so, so much. And, and one of the things we would discuss a lot was that the connection with musicians. And here, even in Canada, sometimes I've been advised to, you know, keep my distance. And we discussed that, musicians and I, here at the, with the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra. And we don't agree. We think it's great that we respect each other so yeah. much, but at the same time, we can be friends. We can be there for each other for hard times. And then when we're making music and we look at each other, we, we know, we know that we are important to each other, you know? So I would tell these uh, young musicians to embrace the beauty and the pain that comes with being a conductor. Yeah. And that's a really great way of describing it is that it's less of this hierarchy and more of this community. Of course. Right? It's, it's like a collaboration. A more of a circle. <laughs> totally. It's a collaboration. The respect one must have for their orchestra. Mm. It's, we don't have to speak about it even. It's important. The, uh, the era of the tyranny of a conductor is, is over. It's over. Yeah. Decades, right? It doesn't work. Orchestras don't allow it and don't, they don't want that. It doesn't, just doesn't function in this way anymore. So I'm, I'm happy for that because yeah. I really love to uh, use each opportunity to, to spread love, you know, yes. we, we can do it in so many ways. Yes, that's great. So you're conducting some fabulous works with the SSO. I'm so excited about this concert, including one of my favorite composers, Gabriela Lena Frank, Mariana Martinez, Evelyn Ramon, Carolyn Shaw. It's a concert of powerhouse women, including some premieres. So can you tell us more about this program? What's unique and exciting about the works that you're directing? Did you have any say in the program? Well, I'm going to answer the last question. Yes, I had all the say in the program. So oh. Mark Turner was, Mark Turner was wonderful on proposing pieces, actually, with me working together on putting the program together. But he was very, very open on listening to, to my proposals and why. So we both agreed on the Mariana Martinez, the Dixit Dominus is, is a marvelous piece yeah. that represents very much what 
at the time, this piece was written in 1774, at the time in which not many women were given the opportunity and uh, um, prized for being a composer. She got the highest um, recognition that at the time a composer could get. She was a member of the uh, Academia Philharmonia and, and she was uh, really, I find the, her, her symphony, I, had, uh, per, I have performed her symphonia in C major, was written before Haydn improved the genre, the symphony itself. Mm -hmm. And it is very interesting, very unpredictable, very, really, really intri intricate with so many uh, exciting things. So yeah. this is another piece that proves her incredible uh, uh, mastering of, of composition and how she um, studied and was contemporary with um, Carl Philipp and Emmanuel Bach and also Haydn and Mozart. She would play for hand uh, pieces with Mozart. So this is a woman that was, during her time, she was respected yeah. and she was um, able to express right her, her mastership. So I think that it's important to, to know, to for many members of the audience, I am sure it will be an introduction to this composer. Mm -hmm. I am sure many uh, will not have listened to any piece by her. She's not performed too often, uh, right? Unfortunately, so, yeah. It's yeah. Like, very important just to really be able to enjoy her marvelous music. Then we have, as you mentioned, Legendas, an Andean walkabout by Gabriela Lena Frank. And uh, Gabriela Lena Frank is an incredible composer uh, with, you know, Peru Peruvian uh, um, uh, background as well uh, through her parents. And uh, she talks a lot about the mestizaje, you know, the mix of races and how uh, different cultures can, um, uh, can cohabitate yes. together. Yeah. without one taking over the other. And this is one beautiful example of it. Uh, we have Entract by Caroline Shaw, which is also an homage to, to uh, Haydn's quartet uh, Opus 77, number two. So it's, it's also going back and forth in time, which I find so, so exciting. And then we have a composer that is my friend. We studied together in Cuba. Oh, that's great. Incredible, yes. And then I come here to Canada and she's here. Right? <laughs> so it's interesting. She lives in Montreal. Her name is Evelyn Ramon. Uh, she's from Santiago de Cuba, where I was chief conductor for nine years. Wow. Uh, but she wasn't living there anymore. She had been in La Habana and had left Cuba when I was in Santiago de Cuba. Um, so, yes, I rediscovered her here uh, and I put her to work right away. <laughs> because she had written some pieces for orchestra, but not many, not many pieces. So last November, I organized here, and I was able to put all the pieces uh, by myself, um, an all-female composers uh, program, which is my passion, honestly. I have so many passions uh, of projects uh, uh, about uh, conducting programs, but one of them is uh, championing women composers. Uh, so much great music. 
and, and things to say, powerful things to say. Mm-hmm. So I will not give away what we are going to, going to do in Saskatoon, but we will have other things around the music. It's not going to be your typical concert. I will just say that we have a guest that for now is, is not confirmed to be honest, but is, it is a, let's say it is a surprise then until it is confirmed. And there should be, yes, there should be some, some poetry there as well. So I was able to engage Evelyn Ramon for this program in Edmonton. And we did a very, very powerful piece that she had written that actually had motives of a piece that I had conducted in La Habana by her. I was like, I recognize this, this, this main <laughs> theme. This is, I think we did something similar there. And she was, yeah, I stole that from myself in, into this piece. So I was, it was such a success, her work among musicians, co- other conductors and the audience that I was very inspired on and commissioning another piece to her. So Mark Turner was very, very generous on helping us uh, arrange that so that she would write a new piece for us now. Oh, wonderful. This piece is titled Rebellion. Ooh. Yes. And I just got the score. It is a very powerful piece. It, it literally speaks to you because the musicians have to speak. So I will just say that there are other things, but it is very much about our fight in Cuba for freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she is very active on on that. Yeah. And uh, it is a very powerful piece. So it will have lots of meaning for, for her, for me. And I am sure also for the musicians, once they get to know it and for the audience, uh, once they get to experience it. So as you can see, it is a, a program charged with meaning and things to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that it it pulls from a variety of styles. It pulls from a variety of eras. Fantastic. So were you able to connect with Evelyn through the composition process? Have you spoke with her since receiving the score? Um, yes, yes, we have, we have, and we have just discussed so far, we have discussed the emotional mm-hmm. aspect of the piece. Yes. And now I will start diving into, into the score and, and having questions for her, but it is, it is a powerful piece. That's wonderful. And as you've mentioned, you've got this new appointment with the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra. Congratulations. That's wonderful. What are some interesting things that you're working on with them? And do you have DreamWorks on the program this season? Yes, we have done great things together in the three years I've been here. And one of them was what I I talked to you about was this all-female composers. This was a program that, a concert that was, became the favorite of all the musicians during our last season. And for many of them, one of the favorites since they are in the orchestra. Because we were very lucky to have a great poet with us, our uh, poet laureate in Edmonton, Titi Lopez Onuga. And she, I invited her and gave her the role to be the spirit guide of this concert. And that was such an incredible experience. The hall was full was packed, uh, was during a moment um, 
in which we came back to performing live, like like in concerts. Yeah. We were so full, November, December, and then gone again. <laughs> so during that little that short period, I was very lucky to be able to do this. And the energy was palpable. So expressed many, many members of the audience. Now we're doing a sequel to that program on November 10th. And we're putting together great pieces, great Canadian composers, uh, all women. I am also conducting a Saint Sans uh, organ symphony, oh, uh, which is very exciting. We have a wonderful organ at the Winspear Center. So yeah. it's an honor for me to be able to feature our instrument during this program. And we have our principal bassoon, Bianca. She is going to be performing Mozart. So we have, you know, like a wonderful variety of mm -hmm. uh, things to offer. And I will be conducting as well the Mambo Kings of New York. So all the educationals, all the uh, family concerts as well. Yeah. There are many things I'm doing in Edmonton. And this is the first season that I'm doing a lot of guest conducting in Canada, uh. starting with Saskatoon. So this is a dream really a dream coming true for me that is so great that's just fantastic i love that i'm curious like because you had had touched on it earlier of you know we had this energy of coming back into concert halls and then it was quickly taken away from us i mean the same happened here in in ottawa and then this energy is is now sort of like music it feels like to me is reviving in the city and there's just this wonderful energy around concerts so how did your job shift during the pandemic were you able to continue on with the orchestra i'm curious like, did you conduct in a mask and how different was that for you i conduct amateur and community choirs and I found conducting in the mask particularly with my children's choirs to be the hardest thing <laughs> yes yeah, you're right. It was very, very hard. I, I when we started with, I, I had to conduct Così Fan Tutte, so Mozart's opera, yeah. with a mask. Oh my goodness. I couldn't tell the, the text to the singer, so it was yeah. really, really frustrating. Yes, we started when it was really all gone. We, we had to reinvent ourselves, as everyone did. And I got to teach an online musical education, uh, so a, a musical appreciation uh, uh, class, which was to me very, very interesting and meaningful because I was teaching about concert classical repertoire of Latin America. Wonderful. Um, we discovered together great, great pieces and the, the people who took place in the class were really really uh, grateful for that mm. uh, we were recording a lot we started we hadn't been recording I don't think many orchestras were recording a lot before COVID mm. yeah but then we we started and it was a great experience also even through the mask we got to connect look at each other the eyes you know became so powerful so important even more than they always are mm -hmm. and um yeah, it was a lot of shifting, a lot of uh, teaching online with uh, the kids because we work with our youth orchestra of Northern Alberta, our Yona program uh, based on El Sistema. And we had to teach online, which was very, very difficult. Uh, so yes, it was, it was a whole experience. And now coming back feels like incredible. Yes. I, I mean, I, I feel the same way. Like I'm starting to get back into rehearsals and starting to yeah. see concerts. 
you know, just the energy in the room when you're preparing with other musicians. It's just, it's unlike anything. And also it's something that I feel we maybe took for granted. Exactly. A regular part of our lives. And then it, and then it disappeared. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm happy that you're having these experiences already. <laughs> yeah. So Gisette, what is getting you excited in your musical life right now? Oh, so many things. <laughs> so many things. I'm going to share first the news. Well, I was nominated. Just being nominated is a huge, I mean, such an honor. By the Ontario Arts Council, I was nominated for the Heinz Anger Award, which is uh, given to young conductors in yes. Canada. So I, I'm nominated. I don't know how it happened. Who did it? Thank you. That is something beautiful that, oh, uh, wonderful. well, I just applied for my permanent residence in Canada. So yes. I, I plan to stay here. And that is one thing that makes me, you know, feel yes. even more at home. I am preparing to have an audition as finalist for music director in San Francisco for the San Francisco Chamber Orchestra. Something I would do also been in Canada if I get it. Yes. So it, it wouldn't be something that would take me away from Canada. Then all the guest conducting I'm preparing for, you know, coming to Saskatoon for Mujer, this program, but also Messiah in December. And yes. in Thunder Bay, I'm doing Messiah as well. I'm doing a, a Halloween program and an educational. Then we have two more concerts during the season with uh, Thunder Bay. And I'm going to NACO, the National Arts Center Orchestra, in November for conducting half of their annual gala concert. Uh, so it is a great honor uh, to be part of that. Yeah. I will go in January again for an educational project, a concert where I get to bring four musicians from Cuba. So I'm very happy about that. Yes. Giving opportunities to my colleagues in Cuba. And so I am going to Nanaimo, Vancouver Island, also as finalist for music director in February. So what can I tell you? This is incredible. I can all be the exciting things are happening. All the exciting things are <laughs> happening. Lots of studying. That is wonderful. That sounds fantastic. And I look forward to that NACO concert. Thank that's you. that's just great. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to chat with you. We're going to wrap up our conversation with a few rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, there are no wrong answers. Just go with your gut. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Could you point to a moment in which you knew you wanted to be a musician? Oh, when I saw my mother sing. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. My mother, she has been my inspiration in so many things. Oh, I love that. Do you have a favorite piece to perform or conduct or play? Oh my God. <laughs> hard. The hardest question. Where one piece I'm dreaming on conducting is a Bartok concerto for orchestra. Oh, yeah. Oh, we've loved it, studied it, conducted it with two pianos in La Banda, and I have never conducted it. So that's one piece that I love. Yeah. I hope you get to conduct it. It's such a Thank great you. Piece. <laughs> Yeah. Have you ever been given bad career advice and what was it? Yes, I have been given bad career advice. I think we all have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I mentioned, one of them is stay distanced from, from the musicians and smile and do things like, like preconceived things. That's, yeah. I think, is one of the worst advice I could get. I, I work from my heart and I cannot plan what will happen. So, 
Yes. Yeah. What is musical or career advice that you can pass on to up and coming musicians? Work hard with joy. Don't attach yourself to any results. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. your identity I, doesn't come from the results. I think that, you know, we save ourselves so much suffering. If we don't attach. There is not one way of succeeding. Yeah. There are so many ways that we don't even expect. We don't imagine. I never imagined being here. Never in my life when I was conducting in La Habana. This is surreal to me still. I, I wake up every morning and I cannot believe that this is my life. Mm -hmm. So we can have it. It's not about better or worse than we imagined. It's just for sure going to be different. Mm -hmm. So I just would say work hard in the sense of not with suffering, but give your everything. Mm -hmm. Give your everything, recover and come back to give your everything again. And just be open to whatever life has for you. It's going to be great. If you, if you work with your heart and you really put everything you have into what you're doing with honesty, it's going to go well. That's great. That's great advice. What music are you listening to right now? Oh, I'm listening to so much music. <laughs> uh, so yeah, one, something I'm listening to a lot is all the female composers in Canada. I am discovering so many great composers, great pieces. I'm, com I'm communicating with the composers when the website only lists the piece and you have to contact them to request the audio files. I'm writing them. I'm, I'm discovering Canada and Canadian composers. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on Loud and Clear. I will have links to all the music and the things that we've referenced in the show notes. And if you're in the Saskatoon area, I encourage you to see Cassette Live and in action on October 16th. Thank you so much. I hope to have you back. This was wonderful. Thank you so much, Olivia, for having me. And this has been such a beautiful experience. Thank you. And there you have it. That is my interview with Cassette Justo Valdez. She is such a delight to talk to. I highly encourage you to go check out the symphony concert that's happening this weekend. It's going to be fantastic. In other news, if you follow me on Instagram, you already know this, but I wanted to let you know that my book, Loud and Clear, which this podcast is named after, is now available internationally with our publisher, 80 Days Publishing. We went live last Tuesday, and it's been selling really well, and so I encourage you, if you're not living in Canada and you want to order the book just maybe held off because of the international shipping, I encourage you to do that. So head on over to 80 Days Publishing. I've got it linked in the show notes and you can check that out. Thank you to the Saskatoon Symphony Orchestra for sponsoring this podcast. Make sure you head over to saskatoonsymphony.org to purchase tickets for upcoming shows. And if you don't live in the Saskatoon area, you can watch these shows via concert stream by following the link at the top of the website. I'm your host, Olivia Adams. This is Loud and Clear, and you can find me at OA Music Studios on socials. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.